My peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. So says Jesus as he prepares his disciples for his imminent departure. My peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. And I do not give peace to you as the world gives peace to you, he goes on. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Oh, what a beautiful promise. Two thousand years later, we hear these words and still we derive great comfort from them. The peace of Christ given unto us. And not just any kind of peace, a different kind of peace. A holy peace. A peace not of this world, but a peace of an altogether different kind. And so what this sermon will ask is this different kind of peace. What this sermon will ask distinguishes the peace of Christ from the everyday peace of the world. What this sermon will ask is this kind of peace that can untrouble one's heart and dispel one's deepest fear. Yes, that this sermon will ask and that this sermon will try to answer. But before we get to any of that, I want to first tell you about one of my favorite poems. Then I want to tell you about a scene from my favorite film. Then I want to tell you about something that happened to me just yesterday. Then after that, I want to talk briefly about the resurrection. And then finally, we will talk about the difference between the peace of the world and the peace of Christ Jesus. Sound good? Okay, first the poem. And it's a very familiar poem. One many of you, like I myself, probably had to memorize in high school. It's a lovely little poem by America's most famous poet. Nothing Gold Can Stay by Robert Frost. And it goes like this. Nature's first green is gold. Her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaves a flower but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. Now this poem about the ephemerality of beauty and about the transience of time necessarily evokes in us feelings of melancholy and longing And hearing it read, we feel a stab of anxiety as we realize that time is having its way even upon us. And that just as leaf subsides to leaf, so too will we one day subside ourselves. Nothing gold can stay reminds us of how precious the moment is because of how fleeting the moment is. Nature's first green is gold, meaning the potency of the moment is marvelous, splendid. Her hardest hue to hold, that is, the potency cannot last long. So dawn goes down today, like everything, the moment passes. 
and thus nothing gold can stay. Utterly exquisite, entirely haunting, and that's enough of that. So on now to the scene from my favorite film. In Robert Redford's film version of Norman MacLean's classic novella, A River Runs Through It, there is a scene toward the end of the movie where Norman MacLean, now a grown man, is out fly fishing on the Big Blackfoot River in Missoula, Montana with his brother Paul, played by a new young actor by the name of Brad Pitt, who just may from here go on to have a little bit of success in the movie industry. Here Norman is out with his brother Paul and their now aging father, a Presbyterian minister. Now I love everything about this movie, but the reason I bring it up this morning is to talk about this one scene in particular. As I said, it comes toward the end of the movie, and by this point the troubles of Paul McLean, that is of the Brad Pitt character, are well known to the audience. While Paul is a very handsome and a deeply charismatic young man, he nonetheless finds trouble for himself at every turn. And what's more, he won't accept help from friends or family at all. He has a gambling problem. He has a drinking problem. He has a temper problem. But he's also a very fine fisherman. And here in this scene, the scene that will prove to be his final scene in the film, here in this scene, both Norman and Paul, the two brothers, are with their father fishing together on the very river upon which the three of them have spent so much of their lives and time together fishing. And as Norman and his father sit on the bank of the river, they watch as Paul suddenly feels a tug on his line. And they watch as Paul begins slowly reeling the fish in. But then just as quickly they see that the size and the strength of this fish, along with the pull of the river's current, are beginning to pull Paul along downstream with them. And so they watch Paul wrestle with this fish, bobbing in and out of the river, navigating through rocks and rapids until finally Paul retains his footing and is able to reel in this fish, a truly monstrous catch. And then comes this wonderful moment. As Paul stands there holding this glistening fish, his father's joy and pride evident. Norman's appreciation for the tragic beauty of his brother's life apparent. Here these three men who have had such pain and misunderstanding between them now, here they are for this moment all together in one place, all three of them beaming, both Norman and their father able to take unqualified delight in what the troubled Paul has just accomplished. Here it is, it is a moment of pure tranquility, of pure serenity, of pure joy. It is a moment of pure peace. Like the hymn says, it is peace like a river. It is, in fact, peace upon a river. But then comes the line. Then comes the line, I bring up this scene and with it this whole wonderful film so as to reference this morning. 
as the camera captures these three men together, joyful, tranquil, sitting around a fire and talking about Paul's catch, laughing together, basking in the comfort of being together as the camera captures this moment. Suddenly over top of this visual, Norman, as the film's narrator, describing how Paul had surely turned fish into a thing of art, then says quite sadly, and I quote, But I knew just as surely that life is not a work of art and that the moment could not last. And so what follows then is a phone call coming in early one morning at their parents' home, letting the family know that Paul, beloved son, beloved brother, had been beaten to death the night before over some gambling debts. And while it's a pain and a loss that the family has been braced for for years, it is nonetheless a pain and a loss that will preoccupy the family for the rest of their lives. There had just been this wonderful moment of serenity, this moment of absolute beauty, this moment of certain peace. But, says Norman, but I knew just as surely that life is not a work of art and that the moment could not last. I knew, he says, that the moment could not last. Okay, enough about a river runs through it. Let me tell you now about what happened to me just yesterday. Yesterday morning, Ada and Juliana decided they wanted to take their baby dolls for a walk around the neighborhood in their toy strollers. Well, so as to give April a much-deserved respite from screaming crazy children, I volunteered to take them myself. And so as to make that respite truly free of screaming crazy children, I took Wit along with us in his little toy push car. So the girls got their baby dolls properly situated, and I got Wit properly situated, and off we went, off into the neighborhood, off into the world. And as we walked, Wit began giggling about something, who knows what. And soon enough, this got the girls giggling because they thought what he was doing was cute. And I add this detail to my story because in order to understand this story, you have to understand that the mood for the moment was just right. We're all giggling. And so here now we are, picture us there, walking down the hill in our neighborhood. The weather absolutely perfect. All of us giggling. The wind beginning to blow when suddenly Ada then says, I looked up to see what it was that had caught her attention. And turns out it was the sight of autumn leaves raining down from the sky. And it really was something. It wasn't just a couple leaves. It was tons of leaves suspended in the air. It really was a picturesque thing. It's beautiful, she said. And I nodded and I said, yes, it is. And then she said, and look, Daddy, look, some of them are golden. Some of them, she said to me, are golden. And isn't that the thing about life? 
Life is a series of moments, each one following the one before it, and some of them are golden. This one, with my kids giggling and the leaves falling and the mood right between us, this one was one of those. It was golden. It was a work of art. But alas, like Norman MacLean, I knew just as surely that life is not a work of art and that the moment, no matter how beautiful, could not last. Like Robert Frost, I know that nothing gold in this world can stay. So yes, it was a moment of pure beauty, of pure tranquility, of pure serenity, of pure peace. But already one day later, that moment is already gone. Which leads me finally to a word on Christ's resurrection. Not on the event itself, but on what the event means, what it points to. Why it is the ultimate symbol of hope. Why the Apostle Paul insists it is indispensable. Why Paul says that without it, our faith is meaningless. Now, the larger meaning of resurrection, let us remember, is not that in raising Jesus from the dead, God proved capable of a miracle. But instead is that in raising Jesus from the dead, God demonstrated in one man, Jesus, that which God will one day demonstrate in all of us, that which God will one day do for all of us. That is the hope of the resurrection. And thus, when Paul calls Jesus the first fruits, this is what he means that just as Jesus was raised from the dead first, that so too shall we one day be like him. And so, when Paul says, if Jesus is not raised, then we are without hope, what Paul means is that unless this story is true, that unless this absolute absurdity is in fact correct, that unless God did in fact raise Jesus from the dead, that unless so, Paul is saying, we are without ultimate hope. And so here now is where a misunderstanding quickly enters in. Paul isn't saying that without the resurrection, one cannot experience joy in his or her life. Of course not. Instead, Paul is simply saying that without the resurrection, one has no hope for things like happiness or contentment or well-being or peace to last. Because without the resurrection, Paul is saying, these things cannot be situated within a larger framework, within a larger meaning, within a larger narrative, within a larger purpose. Without the resurrection, Paul is saying, not only can the moment not last, but the moment can have no deeper meaning than that which the moment itself provides, which is never enough. Without the resurrection, Paul is saying, not only can nothing gold stay, but moreover, we have no recourse from the melancholy that comes with acknowledging its passing. Still with me? 
Well, that leads me finally to the famed story of Horatio Spafford and his classic hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. How, we often marvel, how upon the tragic death of his five remaining children in that 1873 shipwreck, how did Spafford find it within himself to write this famous hymn? What enables one, we wonder, to look at a tragedy this severe, to experience loss of this magnitude, and still somehow write words like these, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, It is well. It is well with my soul. How, we wonder, in the face of all he was going through, how, we wonder, could one say or believe or mean such a thing? Well, that finally leads us back to Jesus' words from John chapter 14 preparing his disciples for his imminent departure, Jesus says to them, My peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. And he goes on to say, And I do not give peace as the world gives peace, so let not your hearts be troubled and be not afraid. You'll recall I said that the question this sermon seeks to answer is, What distinguishes the peace of Christ from the peace of this world? Or put differently, what is it that enables the peace of Christ to untrouble our hearts and dispel our deepest fears? What? Well, I have brought up Robert Frost, and a river runs through it. And the story of my walk yesterday with the kids. And now the story of Horatio Spafford. So as to now highlight the difference between the peace of the world and the peace of Christ Jesus. And here it is. The peace of the world is altogether lovely. It is a gift. But it is also fleeting. It is the bright shimmer of youthful gold. It is the ephemeral moment of joy along the riverbank. It is the transitory experience of walking through falling autumn leaves with your wide-eyed children. It is the hugging of your family before putting them on a ship set to sail across the Atlantic. It is peace. It is precious. It is gold. But in this world, such peace, like all things gold, cannot stay. And so the point of the sermon, without the resurrection of Christ, there is no superstructure of belief in which to turn momentary peace into everlasting hope. Which is to say that without the resurrection of Christ, no alchemy can be performed that can turn our fleeting experiences of peace 
into anticipations of yet a truer, more abiding peace to come. If someday we too, like Christ, shall rise, if so, then with us so too shall all of our golden moments rise with us. That is the grand hope. But if this be all, then our golden moments are just that. Golden. But with that, the knowledge that nothing golden can stay. The difference here is all the difference in the world. It is the difference between the peace of Christ and the peace of the world. And thus the reason Horatio Spafford was able to write these words, these words that inspire us still today like few words ever written, the reason Spafford was able to write these words was because Spafford, despite his despair and because of his certain faith in the resurrection, understood in a profound way, the most profound way, what it was that Christ meant when he said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave to you. Spafford understood that this was not just any peace. Spafford understood that this was peace like a river. Would that we'd understand that too. In this world, Jesus says to his disciples just moments later, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Which is but another way of saying, though dawn does go down today, all that is gold will stay. Dear family, as John elsewhere writes, these words are trustworthy and they are true. So let not your hearts be troubled and be not afraid. For his peace he gives to us and his peace he leaves to us. Amen.